March 7th, 2023, we're in Masechet Betza, Andaf Tet Amud Bet. If you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's 15 lines up, right in the middle of the line. Aval Matehu Mehalon Lehalon Bechule. Of course, the Gemara is referring to our Mishnah that we've been dealing with over the course of the last several Dapim, and it's a circumstance where Bet Shamayim Bet dispute a circumstance of Marita Ayin. And what that means is we're dealing with a ladder, more specifically, on Yom Tob which is purposed for uh, taking, uh, well, walking up in order to take and to look at your nests of doves. And in turn, while moving it on Yom Tov, the fear is, although you might be going, you certainly are going to take doves down, person looks at you doing so and they assume wrongfully and learn from that that you're going to fix your roof. And therefore, uh, the Chachamim, according to Bet Shammai, said you're not allowed to be molich. And I let him move that ladder, Mishovach Leshovach, from one uh, dove t- tail to dove coat to the other. Uh, Bet Hillel alternatively permit. Even Bet Shammai, lastly, not relevant to our conversation right now, even Bet Shammai say you could be Matehu Mehalon Mehalon. We're just reading those last words in the Mishnah, where Bet Shammai say, even though we forbid uh, moving it, well, if you're just tilting it, you're not actually physically moving it from one place to the other, that's permitted. But says the Gemara, quite simply, it means that Bet Hillel are permitting even though you have a potential rabbinic violation of what we call marita ayin, and the reason our assumption, rightfully so, is because of simhat yom tov, the festivities, the rejoicing of the day, bringing down those birds so that you can eat from them, the doves or any other birds, is overriding in the eyes of the rabbis their own decree, their own concept of marita ayin. Sorry, why is, if the birds are ready, why we're going to see in a Mishnah later on how to determine, you have to designate and you have to determine mahluk between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel, how to do so, whether Dibur is sufficient or you have to actually have an action. You have to assume that they are Mukhan. There was a hachana that was performed for them beforehand. You leave them in their place. I mean, we don't want anxiety for the birds before. I mean, sa'ar ba'ale hayim and so forth. No, but I think he's hitting on the Tosfot question of what you answered the other day, really, of that whole, how can they don't fall into that category? That's not what he's asking. That's what he's asking. No. Jared does. No, no, he said he already had too much achnasat yai in the sword that's coming out. Says the Gemara, Alma, Alma means it's clear, Gabe simhat yom tov, within the context of uh, rejoicing on the holiday, that mitzvah, Bet Shammai lehumra, Bet Shammai don't submit <coughs> to a leniency, they're rather stringent, and keep the marita ayin, the fear of the rabbis alive, and don't permit in turn moving the ladder from one shovach to the other, are lenient, again, an opinion that we understand and maybe many of us identify with. We have a question, a contradiction from our first Mishnah. We addressed yesterday, why not ask from the beginning of the Mishnah? Instead, we're asking from the end of the Mishnah. It's the part that we're more familiar with because we've been talking about it over the course of some time most recently. Remember that circumstance? A person slaughters either a haya, a wild, a not domesticated animal, or an off, fowl, a bird, a chicken of some sort. And in each of those contexts, you need to do that mitzvah called kisui hadam, and you don't have the dirt muhan per se beforehand. What's the halakha in such a situation? We have a 
machloket, the dispute between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel, about whether it's permitted. Would you know it? Bet Hillel are the stringent ones. It's Bet Shammai who are the lenient ones. Bet Shammai say, use that shovel, that spade, and enter it into the ground in order to bring forth dirt, well, in order to cover. Why not? If you happen to have slaughtered the animal, no? Well, and what? Then, well, it goes on to the end, the Bet Hillel ends up saying, and if you did it anyways, cover the blood. But why are we permitting in such a circumstance? Right? The Gemara did question, don't forget. Bet Shammai, whether it's Bidiava, Lechatechila, remember the two Diukim, mm-hmm. we're assuming that uh, Bet Shammai are permitting to do it. Why would they permit at all? Why are they permitting the Kisui? Unless we're assuming instead that it's because of Simhat Yom Tov. What's the fear of Bet Hilel? One of several things, of course, we already encountered in the Gemara. Either an issue of Hachana, maybe the dirt wasn't prepared beforehand, and we're looking at it as something that's Mukseh along those lines. Alternatively, it's a Gezera Mishum Tohen. The fear is that although, as the Gemara suggested, we're talking about Afar Tihoach, that the ground was already loosened, and maybe there's a fear that you'll dig further, or you'll dig in a situation where there's not afar tihoach also, and isud rabbanana gezera mishum tohen, which is one of the 39 melachot. Alternatively, if you recall, we talked about hofer, melechet hafira, where you're making a furrow in the ground. Now the Gemara said it's a little different over here because you don't want the hole, you just want the dirt, but there's still an isud rabbanan, it's either kilkul or melachashen ansirecha legufa. One of those three options, hachana, gezera mishum tohen, Hafira with Kilkul, they're all rabbinic violations. Those are all very important to keep in mind. We're not talking about a biblical violation over here. We're at most talking about a rabbinic violation or prohibition. And in turn, Bet Shammai permit that rabbinic violation. Bemakom, we're assuming Simhat Yom Tov. Bet Hillel alternatively stick to their guns. The rabbis decreed we're not allowing irrespective of the circumstances. That seems to be for the Gemara a blatant contradiction. On the one hand, you told me with regards to the Marita Ayin, a rabbinic violation, you're allowed to move the ladder, Mishum Simhat Yom Tov. On the other hand, you're telling me in the context of slaughtering for Yom Tov, Hat Yom Tov, and in Chasim Hagedolamizo, Bet Hillel are stringent and Bet Shammai are lenient. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara here. Amar Biochanan Muhlefet Hashita. Biochanan's response is: You have to flip the opinions. Of course, we have two options: flip the opinions of the first Mishnah, or flip the opinions in this most recent Mishnah. Rashi writes: Muhlefet Hashita can. Change the flip it in the Mishnah we just learned. Make Bet Hillel the stringent ones and Bet, Bet Shammai the lenient ones. I'll give me a second. Bet Tosafot uh, for alternative reasons, not needing to address per se uh, today. Tosafot um, suggests it's the other way. Uh, you want to flip the Shita in the first Mishnah. You'll establish then Bet Hillel as being the lenient ones consistently and Bet Shammai being stringent. How do we do that? First and foremost, we never like doing that. <coughs> the Gemara doesn't want to say Muhlefet Shita. We want to assume our tradition is strong and solid and in place. However, since it is Torah Shabalpeh, since it is an oral tradition, there are, and we accept that, there were prone to be slight errors along the way with regards to oral transmission of teacher to student, to father to child. And in turn, if you don't have another way of resolving, well, we need to say that we'll flip them. Otherwise, we have an inconsistency that we don't know how to resolve. Maybe one of these two is a flipped opinion. Of course, there's going to be major ramifications. Which one? Because we know we're going to probably follow Betty Lel. It matters whether Betty Lel are the lenient ones in both 
or stringent in both. But that's Rabbi Ochanan. What the Gemara is going to do, I'll just give you the, the playbook until the next Mishnah, is going to first disprove and say, no, Rabbi Ochanan, your opinion that Mukhlefet HaShita, let's switch the opinions, as I just mentioned to Morris, is the last scenario, the last case scenario. You're going you're gonna to only flip the opinions if you have no other way of resolving this contradiction. Any other way of resolving the contradiction, that's what you're going to do. So the Gemara is going to say, no, we could resolve it otherwise and keep the opinions right. Oh, wait a second, but we had a statement of Rabbi Yohanan. We want to uphold his statement that you flip the opinions at some point. So the Gemara is going to say, maybe there was another contradiction with regards to Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel and the same sort of thing, Simchat Yom. The Gemara is going to do it again. No, that contradiction can be resolved otherwise. Well, then when did Rabbi Yohanan say, that's what we have, that's the playbook going forward. We want to figure out, we're going to disprove and suggest there's no reason, no necessity to flip the opinions, say Beit Shammai really said this, Beit Hillel actually said that. Oh, we'd rather keep everything as we have it and I'll give you I'll plug in details and explain to you why these cases are different oh, but wait Rabbi Ochanan knew about that did he not that's the assumption of the Gemara so we're going to search for other cases but first says the Gemara Mimai why would you say again the incredulous uh, reaction of uh, of Morris Benin is what the Gemara is effectively addressing Rabbi Ochanan why, why are you flipping opinions you're suggesting that we have to edit the Mishnayot heke just like that no you a contradiction. But we could have resolved the contradiction in another way. We could have explained that each one of these cases is qualitatively different. You assume that ah, it's both Simhat Yom Tov or Binik violation. Ah, it's contradiction. Ah, not so fast. Life is not so simple. Dilma, maybe. First and foremost, says the Gemara, maybe and perhaps Bechamai in the Mishnah that we most recently learned with regards to the Kisui Hadam and Yom Tov. The only reason, the specific and only reason they were permitting over there is not because they generally speaking say, oh, it's a rabbinic violation, just Simchat Yom Tov overrides. No, no, the proof is our first Mishnah. So why were they permitting over there? Because the case, as Rav Yehuda suggested on Dav Zayin if you recall, is that there was already the spade of the of the shovel in the ground. Well, if it was already in the ground, that's somehow, there was never a melacha, but that somehow obviates, it gets us around the rabbinic issues as well, either because of, I gave you three options, either because of hachana or tehina or hafira, each one will need to be addressed separately, but effectively the point is, the fact that it's stuck into the ground says, the rabbis were less nervous about that case, it's very clear what was done, you had a shovel in the ground before Yom Tov, the rabbi said, because of that, Beit Shammai says, it's not just a rabbinic violation, plus or overridden by some hot Yom Tov. It's a diminished rabbinic violation. What's the proof? The fact that you had the shovel in. Of course, that's an ukimta. We don't have that in our Mishnah. But that's the assumption. Because I don't know if the, nobody sees the shovel on the ground when the guy's shoveling. So it comes back to the general question of why don't we have Marit Ayin in all circumstances? But Marit Ayin, no, 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 no. Marit Ayin, you need to redefine as Rabbinic Derabanan, Isud Derabanan. It's not per se Marit Ayin. It was that you have an Isud Derabanan in each one of these Mishnayot. They're not the same Isud Derabanan. But the Simhat Yom Tov overrides the issue of moving the ladder. Which would be the Marit Ayin, correct? Correct, which we're calling Isud Rabbanan. Take the Marit Ayin and leave it in yesterday's conversation. Call it Isud Rabbanan versus Isud Rabbanan. Right. Now, in the context of each of those, we will, in the context of Marit Ayin, say, 
in just a moment, maybe it wasn't such a strong maritain, but it's not because it's maritain and maritain. It's you have a rabbinic violation versus a rabbinic violation. In one case, betilel is lenient, in the other, they're stringent. In one case, and so forth, right? So that's that's what's happening over here. So the and and your question as to why don't you have maritain over there, you can have that question in pretty much any situation where there's a permissibility on Shabbat or Yom Tov. You're going to pretty much say everything's in violation. Which of course raises in this context uh, for another co- another time. Uh, the question is, when do we apply and when do we not? We generally say we don't just make those sorts of things up. But as I mentioned yesterday, we have some cases of maritain comes up on Shabbat, comes up on Shabbat in many circumstances where all of a sudden, and I'm not criticizing, obviously in the tradition you have several hundred years ago, the hachamim says because shemayitaken, you might come to fix. What, where do, what, what, what are you talking about? We have Shemayitaken later in our Masechet. Where'd you come up with that case? And you always have a debate. Do we make such Gezerot or do we not? There's a famous Teshubav Harambam in which Harambam talks about maybe not sitting on chairs. He's, he's saying it cynically uh, because it might break and you might come to fix it. I mean, where do we draw the line? The answer is we draw the line where the Hachamim drew the line as per specifically what their circumstances are. We're not always going to be able to figure them out. Okay, says the Gemara, I'll tell you the flip side as well. So again, on the one hand, I could tell you the only reason Bechamai were lenient in our last Mishnah is because you had a dick and outs, is because you had the uh, the shovel, the spade in the ground already. However, I could tell you as well, the first Mishnah, uh, excuse me, not the first Mishnah, this past Mishnah, right? That was to the the first Mishnah. I could tell you that maybe as well, Betilel, generally speaking, they would be stringent. It was this Mishnah, our most recent one, where they were lenient because there's an extra puncture, there's an extra hole in this Gezerah de Rabbanan. What's that? Says the Gemara, maybe Betileh are specifically lenient in the last Mishnah, because after all, look at that ladder. That ladder is a, a nest ladder. In a circumstance, we have an actual rabbinic violation, so Betileh agree. Over here, they say, it's not Maritain. Really, it's not Maritain. Betchan, I say it's Maritain. Betileh is not saying it's Maritain, but Yom Tob is overriding it. Betileh is saying there's no Maritain. Why not? Look at the ladder. Everybody knows that's a nest ladder. Nobody thinks you're going to fix your roof. In other words, what the Gemara is suggesting is that, and we're going to do this throughout, so get used to it for a little bit, the Gemara is going to suggest that each one of these cases can be explained in a way that it's not Simhat Yom Tov per se, which is overriding. It's rather that the rabbinic violation is diminished because of some circumstance which is relevant over there. They were, t- they were arguing on principle. They weren't arguing on this general principle, this general idea of Simhat Yom Tob overriding. Ela ikashya. Okay, so says the Gemara. Okay, so Rabbi Yohanan, this is what's in the background, in the back of the mind of the Gemara. Rabbi Yohanan did say, he did flip the opinions at some point. He felt something was so difficult that he had to change the opinions. Well, where was that? He couldn't have said it over here. He thought about this. Ela ikashya ha-kashya. Rather, if the if you have a contradiction with regards to the opinions of Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel, maybe it's on the following. We have a Mishnah coming up. Bet Shammai omrim lo yitol elam ken ni'anea mi be'od yom. Bet Hillel omrim omed ve'omer zeh ve'zeh ani notel. This is what I was referring to just a few moments ago to, uh, to Nathan. And this is a question of you're going to take... 
I don't know. I think they call it gozalot, Maris. I think that's chicks. I know you told me we don't eat chicks. Maybe they once did, or maybe it just means baby birds. Uh, regardless, you're going to take birds on, on Yom Tov, but entering into the day, you need to make certain that those birds are not mukseh. You have to make certain that those birds are designated. How do you designate? So the Mishnah will tell us. It's a mahluk between Bet and Bet Betchamai says, you can't just with the word say, I'm going to eat from these birds. I'm going to slaughter these birds. And that's not sufficient. Explains Bet Shammai. Rashi already quotes it over here in our Gemara. The issue is you might go up there on the holiday and you're looking around and say, ah, this one's kind of cute. Uh, maybe I can uh, hold on to this one a little bit. I'd rather take this one. <laughs> what happened over here? You were mechin and now you kind of changed your mind. Instead, go up there before the holiday, say, bitch, I might pick them up, determine if it's cute, if it's good, if it's high quality, whatever the circumstances, whatever's going to change your opinion on the holiday and, and, and pick it up then. And the picking up will will uh, prevent later on you changing your mind and making a mistake with that. Uh, no, no, the birds. I have news for you. I haven't raised birds, so I can't answer that question. But I imagine that uh, if they're babies, you know the you know what they all look like. All right, Nathan made it much more simple. He marks it the way uh, in the they do it with ducks and things. Like. No, you can't. Only if it's not only if it's muhan. Otherwise, it's muksev. You have to pick them all up. It's all, uh, so chicken's different over here. Chicken is different over here. We're dealing with chicks. Chicks are not all ready to be eaten. You're determining which one you're gonna eat. You want to pick them all up before the holiday? Bechabod Rav. Betilel says you could even just designate it with speech. That's the mahlok in Betshamay and Betilel. What emerges? No problem. That's fine. No, didn't do anything. You shouldn't pick it up and not use it, per se, but you can, because it's no longer muqsir. The only issue is you picked one up, you didn't use it, and then you took another one that wasn't designated. Okay, but what it means then is, uh, we have a mahluk between Bet Shammai and Bet Hilel, and very clearly Bet Hilel are lenient. Bet Hilel says speech is sufficient. Bet Shammai says, ah, oh, it's not just speech, it's action. You and I say, ah, oh, what's the difference? Nah, there is a difference. You have to climb the ladder, you have to find your way to the nest, you have to move away the mother bird, and you need to pick up. It's not a simple thing. So Bet Shammai says it. So Bet Shammai are the stringent so ones. Saying, use your brain, meaning you say, okay, speech, speech. And Bet Shammai say an action is necessary. You see, we have a contradiction again. It means that according to Bet Hilal, perhaps, that's the understanding of the Gemara, we're being lenient because it's Simhat Yom Tov. You don't need to pick it up. And we're lenient even though we have that suspicion that later on your mind shifted. Speech is sufficient for Simhat Yom Tov. Bet Shammai says, no, no, we need to be stringent. Even Bamakom Simhat Yom Tov. Says the Gemara, you see, we have a contradiction here. Um, uh, Alma, excuse me. So again, Ela Ikashia HaKashia, the first wide line here. Bet Shammai, Umrim Lo Yitol, it's clear. stringent. Unlike our first Mishnah, We're going to repeat this a lot of times. So we have a contradiction from our first Mishnah. Uh, period or dot 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 right etc. We know that over there, Beti Lel are stringent. Bet Shemay are lenient. When we talk about sure. Muqseh, so, where, where does the lifting come from? Again, this, even though from the general principles of Muqseh it should be permitted, Bet Shammai have a Gezerah Shemei Yahusalav. You might walk up there on the day and say, 
Uh, maybe not this one, maybe this one instead. Although it, with speech, it could have been sufficient. The fact that there's other ones, the fact that it might change your mind, and in turn, you're prone to making a mistake. That's the statement of Beit Shammai. I can't tell you where we're fans of this. That's right. We're expecting Beit Shammai to be that way. Okay, so our assumption is you do know which is which. You have to know which is which. Our assumption, furthermore, is the fact that you lifted it already involved you more. We know this. When you do actions, you by definition are more involved. When you write things down, you're more engaged in it. When you when you speak things or think things, you're more removed as opposed to when you actually do it with actions. So the assumption is you're more involved, your mind is more actually attached. Let's say someone doesn't make all of them, and you only take two out No problem. Of course you could do that. But according to Beit according to Beit Shammai, you got to pick them all up. Sure, go, fadal. According to Beit Hillel, just designate the whole batch, 100%. It's a big problem. I can't let you do that. Um, it's interesting words. Okay, you want to use those words? I don't know if it's it's not tirhashe lo latzorich. It's a halachic terminology. It's according to Beit Shammai, we're necessitating that you do more. Tirhashe shelo latzorich is an isur on Yom Tov. We're not talking about isur on Yom Tov. Do what I needed to do. What would I be able to do? Mukse. He's out. It's mukse. No, it's a gezerah de rabbanan mishum mukse. It's all the Rabbanan. Of course, it's all the Rabbanan. It's uh, they'll say it's all one gezera. You know that's says the Gemara. Says Gemara. Amar biyochanan muhlevet hashita. So biyochanan, in order to solve this, flips the opinions again. First opinions, first Mishnah, second Mishnah. Not clear throughout. What's that? That's what you decided. That's Tosafot. They're consistent on that. Rashi seems to contradict himself over here. That's why there's a Hagahot Abach. Irrespective of the details of that, which are important in the context of Pesach Halakha. But the Gemara says, Rabbi Yohanan maybe says, flip the opinion. Says the Gemara, maybe not. Rabbi Yohanan, really? Vidilma, maybe. Lohi, maybe it's not so. So we're doing that again. The only reason in our first Mishnah in the context of covering the blood, Kisui Hadam, Bechamai are lenient. In general, they wouldn't be lenient. Why are they lenient over there? Because there's already the spade in the ground. And as a result, as we said, it obviates any of the issues that may have been the issue of Betilel. Aval If there was no uh, a shovel in the ground already, lo, they never would have said that. Iname, on the flip side, Ad kan Betilel hacha. Maybe even Betilel would be um, lenient in, in this circumstance. Ela kevan de Sehu excuse me, they would even be stringent over here. Period. However, since over here the issue is only mukse, and to quote Nathan, mukse is really just about your dot. Uh, in turn, even though we generally speaking do believe that when you're dealing with something a little bit more, call it uh, ingrained a little bit more uh, beyond just your mind, the mukseh type of violation, you'd have to do perhaps more. We'd be more stringent over here, says Betilel, it's mukseh. Mukseh is, by definition, hazmana. That's what we'd use these words already. Something, mukseh mida'ato, it's something that's out of your mind. So as long as you're situated it in your mind, that's sufficient, or with your speech, that's sufficient. It means that Betilel would not per se apply a leniency in all circumstances. 
circumstances. Again, the Gemara says then, there's possibly no contradiction. Betilel may be are stringent in the first Mishnah, only lenient in this other one that we're quoting, because there's a specific reason over here. Bet Shammai may be are stringent in this second one, would even be stringent in our first one. It's just that you had a circumstance. The shovel was in the ground, shovel wasn't in the ground. They wouldn't be permitting. Ela kevan means it's sufficient. But in the first Mishnah, in the first Mishnah, Betilel perhaps would not or, or, or are not specifically lenient. On Kisur Adam, wasn't it only if he did it? He, no, that he, if, if he did it he, and then he had to cover the body. They really didn't want to do it. The Gemara had Mahlokir about that. The Gemara right. assumed uh, we didn't easily end up, but our assumption is that according to Bet Shamayt, even the Chatehila. Hashohet, even though it sounds like it's the person who's habalim malech. Remember, if it's a slaughterer, it's a noun as opposed yeah. to a verb. Right. I don't know if this is a thing, but when you shoot away the mother bird, you do that just with speech and take ownership of the eggs. Sure. Well, over there, in the context of Shiluah Hakan, you just need to make the, the, the specific thing is to get rid of it. Nobody's. Yeah, so nobody. Uh, uh, interesting. So you're saying speech in the context of birds, so to speak, oh, is sufficient. We do, we do talk about speech, whether it's considered like an action or not in general. However, if you recall, we more than once Masechet Sanhedrin, we have this principle, lav she'in bo ma'aseh en lo lav. If it's a, a violation that doesn't have an action, it's just speech, like a testimony, en lo kina lav. So as a result... It's the same idea. I understand. Uh, okay, so... So now you're, you're lending credence to what we just read according to Betty Lil. In other words... We also have a lot of things where you say things and it's like you did something to somebody. We know, we know, we know, we know. Okay, all right. So it means speech can... Uh, it's a deoraita, but you're not per se ownership. When you're shalech to shalech to em, you then take the eggs for yourself. Yeah. You didn't take automatic ownership of the eggs just by sending it away. You take automatic ownership. Automatic ownership of the eggs? How? Yeah, by speech. You take ownership. I don't know about such a thing. I know you 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 you, you have to lift them afterwards. Also, you're not allowed to do it. It's too bold. He's right because like even when you get married by speech, I know I know speech is significant, and I'm giving and I'm and I'm giving him that, and I'm I'm that's what Betty Lil is to a certain extent saying. Yeah. All right, says the Gemara, Ela ikashia hakashia. Four lines from the top here on Daf Yoda Mudalaf. If you have a difficulty, a contradiction with regards to the opinions of Becha Mayim Betilel, Humran Kula Bayom Tob, it would be perhaps the following Becha Mayom Rim. It's another Mishnah from later on. En notlin et ha eli lekasev alav bazar ubetilel matirin. Here's the circumstance. There's some sort of heavy utensil or heavy plank of some. Of, of, of some structure and it's used in order to press um hita i think in order to be part of the process of making of making flour it's used to cut meat to cut no 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 what's it usually used no 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 that's that's right yeah so it's what we call a kelisha melakhto le isur you normally would use it 
in order to do melechet tohen. Tohen is grinding. You would normally use it in order to grind or be part of the process of grinding the weed in order to bring it to flour. Instead of using it for grinding on Yom Tov, I was looking for a cutting block all along. Could you bring me that over here? And I start using or don't bring it. I'll just walk over to it and put my meat and I start it turned into a carving station for me. Is that permitted or not? Again, it's what we call Kelishim Melachtole Yisur. In the context of Mukseh, traditional Mukseh, we have different categories. You have a Kelishim Melachtole Yisur, which means to say it's something which is generally and primarily purposed for prohibited activities on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Either one, but over here, what's that? Uh, you only go from Lisha ve'elach le'inyan, right? You only go from, from the melachav lishats beforehand. And so as a result, that's really what we're up against. You have other con- concepts in the context of Mukseh, which are important to mention already as well at this point. You have what's called Kelishim, um, they have a Keli, which is Asur, Mehamat Gufo, not because of the Isur, but because of Gufo, which means say it has no real usage. It's a rock, it's a, it's a branch, it's a money, it's something of that sort. We assume that's a different category. Now, before we read on, I'll just tell you the Halakha on these sorts of matters. If you have a keli shemelachto leisur, you have this type of case, you're permitted to use it lesorech gufo. You're allowed to use it. What we're about to read is permitted. That's the halacha, right? You have the item which is normally used to crush. You can now slice uh, meat on it. You can furthermore, if it's in a place and you need the space, you can pick it up and move it as well. Right? That's the halacha. But let's read this here in the Gemara. It says the Gemara. So it has usage, but limited usage. It has usage, but again, its purpose, its purpose is le'isur. You can use it for something else, and you can move it for its space. If it's kelishi she'asur mehamat gufo, you can't do anything with it. I can't use it for anything I want. I could use it for a couple Of course, only le'hetem. You can't use it when it's meant for. Correct, correct. That's Asur. Do you have to, you have to designate it from the day uh, before? No. Yeah. No. No. Says the Gemara over here, again, You're not allowed to move that, uh, what are we calling it? What are, what's that's what it's called. Pestle. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Pestle. That, that's a strong item. Pestle. Why not? Alma says the Gemara, it's clear. They're not allowing for the usage of the pestle. Uh, even though it's uh, even though you have simchat yom tov, you want to uh, you want to cut your meat. Ubetilel lekula, betilel are lenient. Uriminhi, we have a contradiction from our first mishnah. Hashochet hayav eof betchamai vechule. Where our first mishnah contradicts this with regards to betchamai being lenient in the context of simchat yom tov and betilel being stringent. Amar biochanan mukhlef tashita. Again, now we're applying Rabbi Yohanan in this context. Maybe Rabbi Yohanan flipped the opinions. That's how you solved it. Says Gemara Mimai, who said, why should we flip the opinions? We have another way of resolving this. Dilma, Lohi. Maybe it's not so. Maybe instead of flipping opinions, which of course is always going to be a last case scenario, a last case resort, uh, last resort in this sort of a situation, we'd rather explain it away. How so? Atkan lakam rebechamai hatam. Bechamai, generally speaking, would be stringent, even b'makom simchat yom tov. The case that I'm dealing with in my first Mishnah is particularly and specifically lenient because you had the spade, you had the uh, shovel in the ground. That made it not a traditional 
However, if the spade was not on the ground, if the shovel was not already planted in, look, they would never have been lenient. And as a result, there's no contradiction in Beit Shammai. They're stringent. Alternatively, Beit would never be lenient. It's only in this Mishnah that we just read where they're lenient. That's what I was mentioning to you earlier. It's called the keli. It's just asur mehamat isur, right? It's it's just excuse me. It's a kli shemelachtoli isur. It's a keli. It's a utensil. It's just generally speaking used for forbidden items. What if it was a stone? What if it was a piece of wood or a branch from a tree? Would beti leil permit? Our assumption is not. Aval hatam lo. And so the Gemara again says that we can not suggest as well with regards to Beit Hillel that they would generally speaking be lenient because of Simchat Yom Tov. It's just a halacha, it's a general halacha. Beit Hillel are teaching us a principle when it comes to Muqseh, if you have this type of situation where the item is a keli, it is a utensil, it's just used for the wrong things in a general sense, you could use it for other things. Again, just to summarize what we did here in the, in the Gemara today without all the details is pretty much from, from the beginning until the end, and we're going to do that all the way through the Mishnahs, we uh, cited our first Mishnah in which Beit Shammai seemed to be lenient and Beit Hillel stringent in the context of Simchat Yom Tov. We assumed the reason Beit Shammai were lenient is because of Simchat Yom Tov, which we assumed was overriding and pushing aside the rabbinic violation. So we consistently, as we ask contradictions with regards to Beit Hillel, flipping and seeming to go based on Simchat Yom Tov leniently and Beit Shammai stringently, we asked that contradiction. The Gemara consistently resolved it and said, either Rabbi Yohanan was flipping the opinion. So no, I don't think Rabbi Yohanan said it over here because we could say that the first Mishnah Beit Shammai are lenient only because there's extenuating circumstances. It's uh, easier to solve situation. The Dekir Na'utz makes it that it wasn't prohibited in the eyes of the rabbis at all. You didn't need Simhat Yom Tov to couple and push away. Or the other case, Beit Hillel would be stringent. There's just one of several reasons in each one of the circumstances why Beit Hillel understood this to be permitted even without this Simhat Yom Tov. Business, but I don't have an idea of them. I mean, I mean, I'm going to